Hello, and welcome to What's Brewing in Education. My name is Scott Kuykendall, and today's conversation is about information technology. I know we all think all is well as long as the email server is working and the website hasn't been taken over by hackers. Yet, even when it comes to information technology, those super smart tech folks that make our servers hum and know just where to find the email we just accidentally deleted, there is so much more happening in tech. Joining me today is Technology and Learning Resources Division Director, Bert Lowe, who will shed a light on how expansive technology is in education and how his team supports SCO and school districts. And we may even talk a little bit about artificial intelligence and chat GPT. So Bert, welcome. Thank you. It's great to have you here. It's wonderful to be here. Tell us a little bit, just so that folks know, what is TLR and what do you do? TLR is the Technology and Learning Resources Division. And as a support to SCO and the uh, districts in the county, we provide four main services. Uh, one of them is our financial system service. Uh, we run uh, QCC, which is the financial accounting software for our school districts. Okay, why is that important? Uh, because, you know, in the end, at the end of every month, you know, it helps to print payroll. At the end of every year, it prints uh, W-2s, that type of thing. It also prints all of the uh, accounts payable and purchase orders so that schools can order their curriculum and, and that type of thing. So, But bottom line is it helps people get paid. It helps people get paid, <laughs> vendors get paid, all of that. Yes. Okay, fantastic. So that's one. Uh, second thing, we provide application development and network infrastructure. We have about 19 school districts that use us for their internet service provider. And then, you know, as your wonderful intro states, we also run, you know, email servers, uh, you know, virus filters, firewall, that type of thing for SCO and uh, districts as well. Okay. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. Okay. So you mentioned firewall and I know that a lot of people have questions or, or concerns just specifically about what's been going on lately with um, not necessarily malware, but um, when you have situations like what recently happened in Los Angeles, so Los Angeles Unified School District, right? Um, is it like, it's basically ransomware, I guess is what, I guess. So what is it that, that TLR does to protect local districts from similar situations happening? Okay. So uh, what will happen with our firewall typically in, in that type of attack is someone would receive an email that would say, hey, uh, click on this link because uh, you know the Prince of Nigeria wants to send you $20,000. And so you click on that link and it says, you know, to get your $20,000, put your username and password here. So I would put my username and password there. And then um, as the firewall would track that, oh, hey, this traffic is going out to somewhere that is trying to harvest your username and password, it would block that traffic and prevent it from actually you know, reaching the person who would, uh, you know, try and get your account information. Now for SCO users in particular, we've added a second feature called multi-factor authentication. So in the event that that information does uh, give, be given to somebody, then um, 
our servers will ask that person when you're logging in, if you're logging in from Russia or Brazil, mm -hmm. hey, you're not logging in from where you normally log in from. Can you go to your cell phone and tell me the code that just went there? Or can you authenticate that it's truly you? So we're using the firewall in conjunction with some other technology to make sure that uh, we're keeping our network safe and tidy. Okay, good to know. All right, what else? Yeah, in addition to that, we have our uh, user support team that uh, will provide some tech support to school districts, but then primarily for SCO employees. They're the uh, front line. If uh, your webcam's not working for Zoom or uh, you're not able to get your email to work, your Wi-Fi to work, they will come out and, and support you with that. And then our final group is our Educational Technology Center. So they provide professional development to uh, both SCO employees and school districts as well on how to integrate technology into instruction. Okay, so Education Technology Center, also known as ETC? Yes. So uh, ETC is celebrating their 20th year. The conference uh, was once part of a, a regional project, CTAP Region 6. But so, yeah, we have educators attending from, uh, you know, Stockton, uh, Merced, and, and various other uh, counties as well. So let's say I'm a teacher and I'm attending the ETC conference. What are some examples of typical workshops that I might take advantage of? Okay. So... Uh, we try and partner with uh, a number of different uh, divisions and, and teachers. So you're really getting uh, experience from practitioners. But so, for example, this year we have um, some teachers from our assistive technology uh, division that are going to share uh, different tools, software that teachers can use to help students. Uh, we have our instructional support services division uh, showing how microbits can be used by teachers. We have our career inspiration center. Uh, showing you know drones in the classroom, uh, and then you know we have more day-to-day -day classroom technology, Google Drive, uh, Wii Video, those types of tools. So it's a lot of um, you know lesson ideas, tips, tricks on how to integrate technology into the classroom. What would you say are those either software programs, platforms right now that are are increasing in popularity uh, with teachers in the classroom? So uh, obviously with uh, all that's been happening over the last couple of years, uh, I would say Chromebooks and uh, you know, kind of the, the Google workspace for education have, have been the, the go-to tools. Um, you know, anywhere you have an internet connection, you can get a, a word processor, you know, PowerPoint creation. Uh, and then of course there are tools like WeVideo that allow students to use Chromebooks for video creation, that type of thing. So I'd say those are probably the most popular tools um, that teachers are trying to continue to integrate into the classroom. As far as teacher supports, and I'm thinking of things like Blackboard. Um, are you seeing that there's kind of an increase usage in teachers utilizing that as far as classroom presentations? So I, I, I would say that that probably was the case, you know, uh, during the time when, uh, you know, hybrid education was going on. Now, as teachers are coming more into the classroom, you're seeing a learning management system like Google Classroom or Blackboard or something used to maybe house resources that mm -hmm. students can go to after class. But I think teachers are making a, a really big effort right now to make use of that in in classroom face to face time to do you know hands on activities and maybe you know content creation on the devices. 
I do want to talk about something that I think is on a lot of people's mind right now. This is the latest developments in artificial intelligence. Um, specifically, folks may have been hearing about ChatGPT. And I know that it's already made headlines because New York City Public Schools banned ChatGPT from their servers. So students aren't necessarily allowed to, to access that while in class. Tell me your thoughts on artificial intelligence and um, potential questions that educators may want to consider. Um, artificial intelligence, uh, chat GPT in general, has been uh, a focus of technologists since the end of November. Um, I've been following, you know, listservs, discussion boards about, uh, you know, directors of tech, uh, instructional coaches kind of testing it out over, over winter break. And I do have a background as a classroom teacher. And so my interest was, was really kind of what was making headlines. If I feed it a, a smarter balance assessment essay question, you know, how good is its response? And, mm -hmm. and it is doing, you know, uh, quite a neat job of answering, you know, what was the most, uh, influential event of the 20th century. It'll come out with, you know, a pretty nice, uh, choice and some, some reasons to back it up. But uh, some other things that, uh, you know, technology departments and, and staff need to think about are uh, some of the other things that, that people who may not have education uh, at their top of mind, you know, might want to do. So because one, you can you can ask it, you know, a s simple answer to a test question. Mm -hmm. Right. But it also is familiar with programming languages. So, so yeah, ChatGPT has been fed a lot of data, you know, uh, Reddit discussion boards, text, all types of things. And so um, a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, it, it's mainly designed to, to spit out essay answers. But I, I really think that the focus behind ChatGPT is it's supposed to be a different way to search and find information. And, and a lot of people forget the chat side of it. So the idea is I can say, to chat GPT, hey, what were the, uh, you know, the main causes of the American Civil War? And it will spout out an answer. And then in a chat format, I can say, I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about what you're giving here is answer one. Can you give me some more examples of why state rights was, you know, such a big concern during that time? And then it will continue to give you more information about that particular example. So, you know, that's what I'm thinking from a, a classroom teacher perspective. But you know, this idea that, yeah, it's been fed, uh, you know, the Java programming language, HTML programming language. So you can say, you know, Excel formulas. So you can say, hey, I'm trying to figure out uh, an Excel formula that will help me add, you know, these cells from these different worksheets. It will give you something that you can copy and paste into Excel to help your work there as well. So it's useful for a lot more than just writing and reading. Mm. What implications, okay, and I'm going to lean on your experience as a classroom teacher, how could you potentially leverage this with students in your classroom so that it's actually more of a th critical thinking activity instead of just, you know, tell me this or, or show me this? So as a classroom teacher, first of all, one of the things I, I think is important to keep in mind is that uh, you know, one of the, the big questions students always ask is, you know, how is what you're teaching me going to be used 
in the real world? You know, how am I going to use this when I grow up? And the further away you remove your teaching from reality, the, the less what you teach is going to be applied. And you know, we're just looking at the beginning of what artificial intelligence can do. So we ignore ChatGPT and we say, well, let's block it so students can't use it. Why? They're, they're going to go out into a world where it's going to be you know, five times better than what we're experiencing now. And they're going to go, I, you know, I don't have any skills on how to use this. So um, I've been reading about a lot of um, interesting teachers that are, that are coming up with things like, hey, chat GPT, write me an essay about the you know, causes of the Civil War, but throw in two factual errors. And so then students will have to read through that and try and research, okay, well, what are the errors here? What should I correct? Or really what I think a lot of people are going to do with this technology is run it as a first draft. And so the idea is, hey, write me a story that has, you know, this kind of uh, climax in the story. And then the students will look at that from a writing perspective and go, well, I don't really like what ChatGPT did with this. Let me edit it, add another character, that type of thing. So I really think it can be used to help create that first draft or something for students to edit and add their own personal touch, give some personal examples to prove a point, that type of thing. So um, that, that's the initial thought of how ChatGPT could be used by teachers. Do you think this could prompt teachers to do more in-class writing like let's say you know instead of homework you know you're going to go home and you know you're gonna you know do this five paragraph essay or you know you're going to answer this prompt i mean do you think that there may be a push to actually do more in-class um writing just you know to ensure the fact that you know maybe students aren't taking advantage of you know this new technology, I've I've heard of things uh, that that people are thinking about that go a step beyond that. Like it, it's literally not only will they the students be asked to write in class, they'll be asked to physically write out their assignments. So that the idea is, well, I know you're not using ChatGPT to write this because it's in your handwriting. Mm -hmm. The uh, the joke I saw as a response to that is someone would write a response on ChatGPT and then use a 3D printer with a pen to <laughs> write out the response. And so, you know, you're, if you, you know, put that out there, someone's always gonna look for a solution on, on how technology can help. I mean, um, yes, I, I think some teachers will think of that. I, I don't think that's the appropriate response. Again, I, I think we need to learn how to use this technology. And, you know, I know that, that uh, some districts are responding by, hey, let's block chat GPT for students. We'll allow it for staff to, to utilize it. And, and I understand that that's probably a good place to start so that you can, you know, set safety procedures, policy, that type of thing about this tool. But I think something to keep in mind is if you block ChatGPT or you know, artificial intelligence on a school network and on school devices, you are in fact increasing the digital divide because students who have their own internet access or their own devices will still have access to it. So you're basically just depriving this tool to students who don't have any other resource to reach the internet than your equipment. So, you know, that means you're taking those, you know, most disadvantaged students and, you know, continuing to make sure that you don't have access to tools that can help you learn. So let's talk a little bit about accuracy. 
So is every answer that you are going to get back from ChatGPT 100% correct? Um, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good for people to know. Yeah. So um, not only is um, the information not going to be completely factual, um, you know, in, in all instances, but uh, ChatGPT as artificial intelligence will also tend to shy away from providing opinions. So, you know, I for fun, for fun gave it the prompt, you know, which is better, hamburgers or hot dogs? And it, it said, you know, as an artificial intelligence, I cannot give you an opinion, but here are some reasons why hamburgers are good. Here are some reasons why hot dogs are good. So, you know, that's another idea that teachers can use is, is look more at persuasive writing or, or trying to add that persuasive element. Um, ChatGPT was also initially only fed information up to the year 2021, so it's not going to necessarily have current event information in there. Um, but it has been, you know, pointed out on a number of occasions where the the factual the facts of what it presents are not completely accurate. Right. And then let's talk a little bit about just age appropriateness. Um, I know that. Well, let's just talk about that. Like, what should what should parents or educators, if they're using this with with children, be aware of? So, I would say if you were using this uh, in a classroom, you would definitely want to make sure that it is a teacher login that's being used, because right now, ChatGPT does require some type of account created to do that, and um, you know you wouldn't want a student to sign up not knowing you know what's happening to the data that's that's being you know mined in there what uh, you know what's being used as a prompt so you would want to have definitely a teacher or you know if you're talking about families a parent account so that they can monitor everything that goes into a chat gpt account is saved as a chat so you can always go back through the history mm -hmm. so definitely if parents are working on this with their children i'd say you know go back and take a look at the chat to see what your children are doing in chat gpt if if you're interested back in december you were part of a conversation that we had with many of our local superintendents here in stanislaus county and for some of them, this was the first time that they've ever even heard of ChatGPT. Many districts are going to make their own decisions about access and usage. And I think all of us are still trying to determine next steps in what is appropriate and, and what is not. So what could you tell parents at this point? Uh, what would be your advice to them as they're moving forward um, thinking about how this could, you know, potentially be a tool that their that their district is using. So I I would probably say that the best thing to do is to have a conversation with you know your school district as as a county office. Uh, I feel that one of our roles, especially around a tool like this, is to uh, start the conversation with school districts. So, you know, prior to meeting with the superintendents, I met with uh, directors of technology from our local school districts and talked about ChatGPT and, and kind of shared with them some of my thoughts of, you know, the, the digital divide that I was talking about. Um, you know, the, the fact that it can be used in an in a instructional manner. Um, the, the fact that some of the you know, uh, protocols that school districts have put in place, like ChatGPT, uh, can't be detected by Turnitin because Turnitin is comparing the writing against known uh, works. So, you know, we kind of talked about all those issues and said, you know, really still 
the county office will provide you, you know, the tools to potentially uh, filter your network or that type of thing. But it really is up to you and your school district to make that decision. And so parents, you know, you you would want to talk with the directors of tech, your, your classroom teachers, that type of thing, and, and kind of share your opinion. Uh, but all those decisions really are made at the local level. Okay. Well, Bert, I think that's a good... That's a good starter, I suppose. I know that this is going to be a conversation that's going to be ongoing just because the technology is so new um, and um, looks like it could be used in just a multiplicity of ways. So really appreciate you being here, having the conversation, and uh, probably be talking to you again, you know, seeing kind of where this all goes. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Absolutely.